I wanted to bring today's episode to the podcast talking all about repeat miscarriage. This can be super frustrating in conventional medicine where no one will do any testing until you have three miscarriages. We are talking about the underlying healing opportunities that have been missed by conventional medicine and what you need to know to optimize yourself for pregnancy success when you've experienced recurrent miscarriage. Let's go. Pop quiz, what exactly makes a great diet to optimize fertility? Is it keto? Is it carnivore? Is it paleo? Is it AIP? Truth is, it's none of the above. The most important factor is consuming the diet that is right for you because those diets may have worked for someone else, but we're all different and that diet may not be right for you. That's why it's so important to figure out right now how food impacts health and ultimately your reproductive health which foods you need to avoid so that you can reduce inflammation and which foods you need to add so that you can prepare for pregnancy success. Because remember, if your body is under attack, even by a seemingly healthy food, it wants to survive, not procreate. So once you've figured out the foods that are right for your body, you can personalize your diet so that you can improve your fertility. And one of my favorite ways of doing this is starting the elimination diet. And I am excited to announce that our spring fertility recipe guide is now ready. This includes a five-day meal plan, grocery shopping list, all free from the top allergens. All you need to do is go to Fertility Diet Freebie. That's Fertility Diet Freebie to get your free fertility recipe guide, all including spring recipes. That's FertilityDietFreebie.com, F-E-R-T-I-L-T-Y-D-I-E. E-T-F-R-E-E-B-I-E dot com, com. This episode is brought to you by Inito, the most accurate at-home fertility tracker on the market and the one we here at FabFertile recommend and use with all our clients. Most ovulation tests can only predict fertile days, but Inito measures estrogen, LH, and progesterone to accurately confirm when you're ovulating and most fertile. Go to anito.com, that's I-N-I-T-O.com, and use the code FABFERTILE15, that's the code F-A-B-F-E-R-T-I-L-E-1-5 to save 15%. I didn't need to go to donor eggs. Obviously, I don't regret it. I have beautiful children. I could have done things differently. I was still cycling back in my 20s. I could have looked at my health, the environmental toxins, the stress I was under. Many, many women are being told their eggs are too old. That's an assumption can't test egg quality. Many times it's the man. It's the man who's got a food sensitivity or zinc deficiency. There can be a root cause to these quote-unquote period problems. The doctor will pass you a pill without any question of why. Why is IVF the first step? Because we believe it should be the last step. Welcome to Get Pregnant Naturally, where functional medicine and natural fertility solutions will help you get pregnant and have your baby. There, I'm Sarah Clark, founder of Fab Fertile and your host. I believe the functional approach is the first step for anyone on the fertility journey, and my aim is to help you get pregnant naturally. Today, I'm welcoming Amy Rope to the podcast, and we're digging into repeat miscarriage and trying to conceive after loss. Amy Rob is a renowned women's health and fertility expert, celebrity acupuncturist, and coach, and best-selling author. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so thankful that you're here. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe. And if you know someone else who is on the fertility journey, please share this podcast with them. Hey, Amy, excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. I am happy to be here. 
Great. Can you share your journey, how you came to do this work? Oh, gosh. Where do I start? So I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner, right? So acupuncture, Chinese herbs, that also involves nutrition, lifestyle, things of that nature. And I just think over time, when I first started practicing, you know, at first I was just seeing kind of general medicine, but then of course you start to see a lot of women and you start to see a lot of women with menstrual issues or hormonal issues, endometriosis. And it became an area of kind of, I think because of, I have a biology and chemistry degree as an undergrad, and then went on to study neuroscience and was really in the research arm a few years after graduate school. And I think what happened was being able to really measure and test and actually see changes in my patients kind of hooked me, you know, like Chinese medicine is very subjective, right? And so the fact that I could quantify these changes in patients based on hormone levels, and then obviously, when fertility started to become a main focus of mine, you know, there's a very obvious end result, right? And so that kind of is what hooked me. But what I started to see, you know, and I, when I wrote, yes, you can get pregnant, I didn't write that until I was in practice for gosh, like 11 years, I wrote that 11 years into practice. And I really wrote that book, like the impetus to writing that book was the realization that clinically, like if I hyper-focused on treating fertility, balancing hormones from a Western perspective or an Eastern Chinese medicine perspective, it wasn't always really solving, you know, wasn't really getting my patients where they needed to get. But when I really stepped back and focused on, you know, if you will, the foundations of fertility and very like Chinese medicine style of like living in accordance with the Tao and like getting enough rest and having enough joy in our lives. And then, of course, the right diet and the right supplements and all of that to support it. That's really, you know, I feel like the mushroom cloud like just poofed for me where I was like, oh, gosh, this is it. And I don't know, the rest is, I suppose, is history from there where that just became an area of expertise. It's not something I chose, you know, it really kind of came to me, but really through the lens of the holistic approach, like the foundational approach to, you know, understanding that fertility really is an extension of health. And it's also not a switch that's either on or off, right? I think it's on the scale and on the spectrum and that there's a lot of things we are doing to negatively impact our fertility. And there's a lot of things that we can continue to shift and do to really positively impact things. Yeah, I think most people that come to this journey that you know, I certainly never planned on helping people on this journey. I, you know, diagnosed with POI at 28 and then years later and discovered all these different health issues. And I'm like, wait a minute, why does no one know this? No one told me. I didn't get a second opinion. Typically it's, you know, low AMH and high FSH, POI, DOR, you're sort of told donor eggs or I've heard people now saying they're going to be having an aggressive IVF or like you've got to run to IVF to me, which is completely counterintuitive as to what's going to help you get pregnant. And then working on those foundational pieces are, is key. It's a missing part of the puzzle. People are kind of DIYing it or doing part of it or generalized recommendations, superfoods, all that stuff, and then missing all that groundwork, which is key. That's it. It's like you can't out supplement, you know, a crappy lifestyle or a crappy diet or a crappy mindset, you know, and so, and not that we're to blame. I'm not saying that from a mindset perspective, but more like we have to look at the whole picture. And if your body is shutting down an integral system that like it was born with, there's a reason and it's prioritizing something else. And so that's our job. And, you know, I know how you work too, Sarah. It's like, that's our favorite part is that like detective work and, you know, going through the details, combing through it to really you know, and so much of it is just, oh, the system is failing women in so many levels. And it's just such poor quality care. It's disheartening. 
<laughs> really is. It really is. So today we're going to focus our talk on repeat miscarriage. So let's talk about some themes that you see with a repeat miscarriage. What are some of the things? Well, that was also like another talk about like the system failing people, right? And you start treating fertility and you start seeing a lot of miscarriages, I suppose, is, is how you sum it up. And sure, 20% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. I had a miscarriage and, you know, it sucks. But when you see these back-to-back pregnancies without a live birth in between, you know, A, your heart cracks open and it's just my nature that it became such a deep focus of my work because I was like, so help me God if this woman has another miscarriage, you know, and not really from an ego perspective, but like preservation, you know, we can't handle another one. So what is going on here and why, why, you know, and so You know, you start to dig deep and, you know, as like writing, yes, you can get pregnant is really what opened my eyes even more to this recurring theme across, I think, all fertility challenges, but especially repeat pregnancy loss is a misdiagnosed, mismanaged autoimmune condition. And then also I would put in their inflammatory condition, which they can be one and the same, but it could be two different things depending on how we're diagnosing it, right? Like I think in our umbrella, how we see it, it's kind of all the same, but no one's testing, no one's digging deeper. And what tends to happen, regardless if the woman is 32 or 42, the blame starts to be her eggs are all bad. No one's looking at the uterine cavity. No one's doing diagnostic procedures that are pretty basic and pretty simple. So I think that's one piece of it, right? Endometritis is a big issue with recurrent pregnancy loss. I think, you know, scar tissue, even if a woman's never had a previous birth, there's interesting, you know, scar tissue pieces. So I think those are more like structural. Endometritis obviously is a microbiome gut issue. But then there's the women that are having basically an immune reaction to pregnancies and their body is rejecting them. And that seems to be a really common theme. And one that, what, I mean, we could probably name them right now. There's probably six doctors in the U.S. that are actually looking into this. And then there's a couple in Spain, you know, and the rest of Europe, nobody's really, they're just brushing women off, brushing you off, brushing you off. I think in Canada, girls have to come to the U.S. to actually get the proper testing for these losses. It's appalling. And a lot of the doctors are like, oh, that's, you know, black magic or that's not proven. And what I think is the problem, though, is that it is a subset of a subset. So it is this kind of rarer condition that's happening to these women. But we're seeing it more and more as we see the uptick in autoimmune conditions. We're seeing the uptick in these recurrent pregnancy losses. And, you know, I worked pretty closely with Dr. Jeffrey Braverman before he passed away. And we just become friends over the years. And he was very much a mentor to me in this category. And he said to me, and it always sticks with me, he's like, nature is just not that stupid. It won't keep picking a bad egg to fertilize. It just won't do that. If you see multiple losses in a row without a live birth in between, there is something else going on. There's some other mechanism in the body that's either making that egg go bad or causing the body to reject it. And, you know, he's like, and statistically, it's actually impossible to keep having these losses. That's not how it happens. It's like 20% of pregnancy and losses. That's the statistic, you know? So if you're having back to back to back, you're not in line with those stats and it requires deeper investigation. And then you investigate, you know, I just had a group call today and sure enough, you know, someone with two miscarriages and she's at a great clinic in New York, top doctors, you know, you name it, right. Best care in the country. She goes to somebody else, yeah, endometritis and high natural killer cells. She would have just kept having miscarriage. She's got seven PGS normal embryos on ice. She's 41 years old. Her egg quality was not the issue, right? But that's what they kept saying to her. 
she needs a course of antibiotics and maybe some steroids and she's going to carry multiple babies home. Yeah, it's frustrating when you're getting all like it's not necessarily simple, but you know, when you see it over and over again, it can be simple. It but someone simple else is, yeah. yeah. So someone else is looking over here and it's like that conventional medicine approach, very siloed, right? Where you get the dermatologist, the gastroenterologist, the neurologist, all the different specialties, and then no one pulls it all together and looks at like instead of just labeling something, what's you know, the mishealing opportunity, the root cause. And then also in repeat miscarriage, people don't even look at the man. Like they don't look at sperm. Yeah. And, oh, I did a miscarriage panel. And then they upload their, their labs. And I'm like, they tested you for three clotting factor disorders. There's about 18, you know, I mean, there's probably even more, obviously. But yeah, we're not looking. And I do like the research that's coming out. Like my miscarriage was male factor related. And we know that, you know, because this is what I do for a living and get to dig into it. And I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but I don't know. Answers help, I suppose. But yeah, we're not looking at, you know, we're just doing basic semen analysis and saying, oh, well, you know, there's so many sperm, so it can't be that. It can't be his problem. But I think, too, it's just the basic testing that, you know, right, I'm sure you've seen it. There's so many clinics that say, oh, we don't do a miscarriage panel until after the third loss. What? So she has to endure that when maybe a baby aspirin, extra methylfolate, you know, some fish oil. I don't know. Some basic shifts could really bring that baby home, but we have to go through one more loss before you'll do any testing. Yeah, it's just old, old ways of really is. It's barbaric and archaic. Yeah, it really is. And just upsetting, you know, have my new opinions of like, these are the basic things that every woman should get before she even starts the journey. And like, one is a hysteroscopy with an endometrial biopsy, right? You know, everybody does the HSG and the saline sano. Then, you know, right, we've been doing this long enough to know the saline sano misses so much, you know, so it's like, yeah, sure, it's a surgical procedure, but don't you want to really check that uterine cavity? Don't you want to know that the endometrial lining is receptive? We should also do a comprehensive blood panel on everyone who comes through. And we should look at, even if it's basic clotting factor issues, and then also inflammatory markers. I mean, there's some easy ones to test that really will lead us down the right path. Yeah. It, well, it's not taking it at face value and that thing of waiting for three and the devastation, the emotional turmoil going through one, one, let alone three until someone, you know, takes you seriously. And that, that medical gaslighting, I feel like I talk about it all the time is real. It's very real. Yeah. It's exactly mm-hmm. what, it's a funny story. This is a total aside, but you know, I have a young team, right? The team that helps me, they're all in their like twenties and thirties. And so they're very up on the PC terms. And, you know, they're using like gaslighting as a term. And then one day I was like, can you just define it for me? Like in like layman's terms, gaslighting. And then anyway, I have a psychotherapist on the team and she kind of like breaks it down for me. And and I was like, oh my goodness, all of our women, that's what they're doing. They're being gaslit. That's exactly what's happening here. This is medical gaslighting a hundred percent. And, you know, you can probably hear it in my voice and obviously you can see my body language. It just like, it's so upsetting and infuriating. And it is, I mean, if you even just dig deeper into autoimmunity in general, right? It affects women, 75% more than men affecting women in their reproductive years. And it takes the average woman six years and 12 doctor's visits to get an actual diagnosis. What yeah. is that? I know someone just reached out to me the other day and said she had three autoimmune diseases and one puts you at, you know, predisposes you for another one. And next thing you know, yeah, three. They say the average person has three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the average person with one autoimmune, there's actually usually three going on. Yeah. Something else brewing underneath there. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the connection with thyroid dysfunction. What are you seeing around thyroid and repeat miscarriage? What do you look for? Well, that too is like not always autoimmune, right? I mean, that's another thing that ooh, girls will come to me. You've had more than one loss. Has anyone done a complete thyroid panel on you? Oh, yeah. You know, someone so checked it. You know, my TSH is fine. And then I said, can I see the labs? And then, you know, they're at like a 3.5 or a 4. Or, you know, maybe their T3 is super low, T4. And you realize they just are a hypothyroid case, right? They might not have antibodies, but they're a hypothyroid case that can't hold a pregnancy. So they're miscarrying. Maybe they have low progesterone because their thyroid is dysfunctional. Or maybe egg quality and uterine lining and all these things are compromised because their thyroid is the master. And if it's not functioning properly, the cycle is going to be dysfunctional, right, on some level. But then, yeah, you just don't see the typical doctor running a complete thyroid panel and looking for thyroid antibodies. And so what is the stat? 80% of women that have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid disease. And so then there we are. We have an autoimmune condition. We have antibodies. And then if we have one autoimmune likelihood that there's more and, you know, you just start to see the trend that every woman that comes to you that has had more than one loss or is a poor responder or maybe is having, you know, cycle issues, whether it's lining issues, progesterone issues, quality issues has thyroid antibodies, but her TSH maybe is in range. So no one's treating it. No one cares. Maybe I shouldn't say no one cares, but there's no need to treat it because thyroid looks like it's functioning fine. But the antibodies pull you in that there is autoimmunity going on. And once that is triggered, it's an inflammatory cascade. It it triggers everything else in the body. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's an immune system on like hyperdrive. It's just dysfunctional. It just starts being confused as to what it's supposed to allow in and what it's supposed to reject. And the embryo, because it is half foreign, right? It is sperm. That's not from, you know, a common species in your body. The body will reject it. And then if you dig deeper too, a lot of time these women, you know, some people check for ovarian antibodies. Some people check for sperm antibodies, you know, and you'll find that there is autoimmunity at play. And then typically, I mean, even the the work that you and I do, uh, we can rectify a lot of that through diet and lifestyle and make the body more hospitable. That's the term that I would use of, there's really nothing wrong with the body. It's just kind of confused. And I think the nervous system plays a big role in that too. So it's like going back to that foundation of like, yeah, we have to heal the gut. We have to improve absorption. We have to get the body out of this space of feeling like it's fighting for its life and get it back down to calm, cool, collected, and you know more receptive. Yeah, I was just doing a master class yesterday talking about the thyroid. And it's literally, you know, how many people have been, I asked the question, how many people have been told their TSH is normal? And these are people dealing with low AMH and high FSH and they're me, 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 and me as well. And then no one looked at the full panel. No one looked at the antibodies. And you may have been, you know, prescribed thyroid medication, but that alone, you know, thyroid medication may be, you know, be part of it, but diet and lifestyle together with it. And it's just a huge piece that is missed. And then not even being able to sometimes get the full panel. Oh, you don't need it. Yeah, you don't need it. It's the same thing of like, you have to have three miscarriages before I'll do that blood work on you. I just had a girl who I said, I would like you to get an endometrial biopsy. And she's, you know, Boston IVF, Harvard trained physicians, you know, and the doctor was like, oh, we wouldn't normally do that unless it was repeat implantation failure. And I was like, 
she's had three transfers that haven't taken and she's been trying for two years. I would call that implantation failure. I don't know. What else do you call it? And she was just like, oh no, but you see you're 41. So it's not about implantation. It's about your egg quality, right? And so anyway, she's, we're getting her to the right doctors who will do the right tests on her. But yeah, I mean, and going back to the thyroid, it is like, if the thyroid is off, everything is off. And so, and I think it's like, you know, our work of like this foundation of fertility that you have to look at the entire hormonal cascade and how everything is supporting one another or not. And when FSH is high, it's just the body saying like, yeah, because that's not my priority right now. Like I don't need more follicles because I'm not prioritizing getting pregnant. It's not necessary. Or my estrogen is super low or, you know, we're not ovulating or, you know, any of those cycle issues that we see. And I mean, how many times do we get the questions, right? Of like, but what do I do to improve my estrogen? What do I do for progesterone? I'm like, we come back to the foundation. We heal at the foundational level. Vitex isn't going to solve all the problems. Yeah. And sometimes you need a kickstart with bioidenticals, but not always. So it's that personalized approach. And so let's talk about blood sugar imbalance. What are you seeing there with repeat miscarriage? We, I feel like in our team meetings, we're always talking about blood sugar imbalance. And I think people may not even know like that feeling hangry or poor sleep or mood. And we just think that we're cranky and irritable. Meanwhile, our blood sugar is popping all, you know, around all day long. So what are you seeing there with the repeat miscarriage? Well, I mean, I think it comes back to the same thing too. Like if you are, you know, right, we typically see our clients are skipping breakfast, not eating enough protein, not eating enough fat. So the body doesn't get what it needs to properly function. And so same thing, it's put into that state of not enoughness, right? Like I don't have enough, I can't do all the things I need to do. And so again, fertility is put on the back burner. And I do think too, you know, you see the blood sugar up and down those spikes, it just creates a systemic inflammation or inflammatory process in the body, where again, could predispose us, right? We know chronic blood sugar imbalances could lead us to, you know, an autoimmune condition that's like PCOS or which technically is, I don't know, sometimes it's called autoimmune, sometimes not diabetes, right? Like we fall into these categories where we start to see, oh, okay, Blood sugar imbalances actually really lead to systemic metabolic issues and same thing. So I think then the body's just, you know, and, and in that case, maybe I wouldn't always think the body's necessarily, I mean, it depends. I would need to look, you know, deeper into labs and stuff like that. Not always do I see blood sugar issues leading to the body attacking the embryo and having this like specific autoimmune rejection or immune rejection, but more that it just doesn't have enough to sustain the pregnancy. So it's you know, maybe it used all it had to just ovulate that egg. And then now we've fertilized, we've implanted and the the lining isn't strong enough or progesterone isn't strong enough to hold that pregnancy, right? And then that blood sugar imbalances usually lead to thyroid imbalances, which usually lead to other hormonal imbalances. And we also see like not enough cholesterol, right? Not enough fat in the system. All your hormones are suffering. Yeah. So many people worry that, you know, when you dig in with testing, you're not going to find anything. It's just not the case. Right. And it's sort of, especially when you've been told conventional medicine, everything's normal. It's kind of like you feel at the mercy that you can't do anything. But as you start to look at your symptoms and tune into your intuition and you know what is your body trying to tell you that all these symptoms that we feel are common, but not normal. And we just sort of start listening and, you know, lo and behold, there's all the clues right in front of us. Well, that's it. And that's why, I mean, I think, you know, how we work is, is the key. It's really just about like teaching the body. Here's my nourishment. I'm slowing down for you. I'm giving you what you need. 
And then the body starts to feel more and more comfortable, more and more safe, gets back to homeostasis more on a regular basis. And it's just more receptive to that pregnancy. And it's this very Chinese medicine, but I think it's in all the medicines. If we look at it, fertility really is when we have an abundance, we have an overflow of all the goods, you know, we call it chi and essence and blood and in Chinese medicine, but everybody calls it something different. And it says, I have enough, I have enough to go and make this human, you know, but making that human is a very big demand on the body. And so if it's not set up for success, we increase the likelihood of either not getting pregnant or having miscarriages or multiple losses. And the other thing too, is like the younger we are, the more we can get away with those imbalances most of our clients are coming to us. Like even mid thirties though, to me is still like, that's enough time for these imbalances to have a major impact. You still have plenty of time to turn it around, which is like the really good side. And I even think a woman in her early forties, even sometimes in her mid forties, we can turn things around. Absolutely. So it's not that this damage is done and it's done permanently. So to keep that in mind, but it's really like, we have to set the stage for success. Yeah, because sometimes they want that quick fix. Like, what's the pill? What's it going to be? And it's Everybody like, does, you yeah. can't out supplement poor diet. Like we talk about maca, Vitex, you know, it may be good, but really is that going to be, sometimes you're just these expensive supplements that aren't really getting to the root of what's happening. Yeah. I just think too of like, even rushing to IVF, which we all see a lot of that, right? And I'm not against modern medicine. Like it's amazing. And IVF is a game changer for a lot of women. And you know, so are all these like immunological treatments, which I'm a huge fan of. And I'll be the first one to be like, I think you need to add steroids to your protocol. Like I'll be the first one to say that, you know, as a alternative medicine practitioner, if I think that's what they really need, but you'll also want to question yourself before rushing to IVF of like, what have I done differently? You know, if my body isn't doing it on its own right now. And maybe we've ruled out like the big, you know, obvious issues. There's no structural blockage. There's enough sperm. I have enough, you know, whatever, all the things. I don't know that we're going to go and respond well to these medicines if our body isn't hormonally responding just to creating one, you know, plump, ripe follicle every month. Yeah. Avoiding that poor responder, canceled cycle, failed cycle, and miscarriage that can happen when foundational pieces are not addressed. And yeah, same here. We're not anti-IVF, but we're like, before you go and invest, you know, it can take an average of three cycles, cost of 60K. Let's work on your health. You either get pregnant naturally, or if you do go, you know, the IVF has a higher chance of actually working. But in our society, it's sort of, you go to the OBGYN, they refer you to the RE, the RE says, giddy up, let's go. And we listen. And sometimes it works, but, you know, we see the ones that it doesn't. So, but at the end of the day, there is hope. When you're trying to get pregnant, there's already so much to think about. You're trying to eat healthily. You're trying to manage your stress and sleep all while maintaining your relationships and living through work and life. Knowing if you're on the right track to conceive shouldn't be on that list. That's why today's episode is sponsored by Anito, the most accurate at-home fertility tracker on the market and the one we here at FabFertile recommend and use with all our clients. We had Asa Jane from Anito on the podcast to talk all about it. We got this comment about like uh, five days ago, right? It's such a good review. It almost sounds like a fake review. <laughs> so that, that, that's how good it is. She says that if you're debating on getting Anito, please stop considering anything else and buy Anito because this person, they purchased it last year and after 30 days, they got pregnant and this is a same-sex couple. So for them, it's like they're like, they were trying every single thing and timing is key. 
and then they recommended it to their neighbor i mean their i think their neighbor just used their own device and their neighbor got pregnant in 2 months and then they recommended it to a friend and their friend told them that they have conceived just last week you know i was like that is amazing something's going on over here to try nido go to nido.com that's i n i t o.com and use the code fabfertile15 that's f a b f e r t i l e 15 to save 15% and now back to the show one of my favorite ways to figure out exactly how food impacts your body is by starting an elimination diet Basically you're taking out the top allergens for 10 days and those allergens include gluten, dairy, corn, soy, eggs, peanuts, processed sugars and alcohol. And then you systematically reintroduce the foods over the course of 30 days. And then you'll know how those foods impact your body and ultimately your fertility. We've had so many people that are intolerant to foods that eat on a regular basis. Maybe you're intolerant to lettuce or maybe you're intolerant to avocados or nuts or chicken something that you may be eating on a regular basis if you have leaky gut or intestinal permeability this can be causing inflammation or reaction in your body so it's not that you're taking these foods out forever it's for a short period of time to allow the body to heal so it's a customized approach and you'll know for sure how food impacts the body and really there's never a great time to start this so you don't want to pick vacation or a birthday however you need to rip off the bandaid and start and do this with your partner. So I'm excited that we have developed a free fertility recipe guide for you, all filled with spring recipes. There's a 5-day meal plan, grocery shopping list, all free from the top allergens. This is dipping your toe into the elimination diet. So all you need to do is go to fertilitydietfreebie.com. That's f e r t i l i t y d i e t f r e e b i e.com, fertilitydietfreebie.com and get your free fertility recipe guide all filled with spring recipes. A podcast actually came out recently all about liver health and a sluggish liver and why that's really important for fertility. Castor oil packs are really good. What do you see in there for uh, repeat miscarriage and liver health? Inflammation, right? If the liver isn't functioning properly, we are not detoxing our body properly and those detox pathways are compromised. We're just seeing an accumulation of oxidative stress, I think is the best way to put it. So that's going to compromise mitochondrial health. That's going to compromise egg quality. And it's going to compromise hormones getting to the right place. The liver is super important in detoxing our body, but also helping our body efficiently metabolize all of the hormones and everything it needs. And so I think of it this way, of same thing with like giving the body the means to prioritize fertility. But if you're inundating it with noxious chemicals or substances from the outer world, medications, even, you know, bath and beauty products. Again, it's saying, oh, I have this priority. Like, I can't do that and this, you know. So, we have to clean up the systems, get the liver functioning properly, let those detox pathways do what they need to do. And then you'll see, right? People start methylating better, which basically means we start detoxing better. And then our antioxidant load shifts. And so, then we'll see mitochondrial function improve and we will see egg quality improve. We will see uterine lining improve. And the same thing goes for sperm health as well. Like it's just, that's such a major piece to the puzzle. Yeah. And then in Chinese medicine with the liver being linked to feeling angry and things like that, or irritability, 
Oh, yeah. I had that for years. I'm like, mm. anger, frustration, irritability. Well, yeah. And that's like the other layer, right? Which I should definitely address of like the emotional piece, you know, Chinese medicine, we think every disease state, which is disease is just disharmony. So you name it what you want to name it. It has an emotional and a physical correlation. And so, you know, we see those patients and I'm sure there's some people listening that they're nailing the diet, they're nailing the lifestyle, they're nailing the supplements and it's still not happening. And so that's when I think, and I know you think like the emotional piece, the mindset piece, the nervous system piece, like what are we in? What are we caught in? What's the loop? And I'm really processing that emotional side of things is super important. And it does like Chinese medicine for certain, you know, I'm not sure there's enough clinical studies to say like pent up emotions equal high liver enzymes. I don't, you know, I don't think we necessarily studied that, but you see it, it's just sluggish. Things are sluggish. Things you're almost like procrastinating. It's hard to make the change. It's hard to pull through. It's hard to push through. And, you know, you're kind of caught in the loop of things not working, things not working. And so unpacking that emotional side. And I also think like that's such a huge piece to all of this. I mean, especially if we're talking about, I mean, any woman on the journey, it sucks. It's hard and it's harder than it needs to be. And it's longer than it needs to be. And then you throw in miscarriages on top of that. You know, there's so much trauma and so much grief. And we do see a direct correlation between mental health, trauma, grief, repressed emotions, and microbiome issues and gut health. And we also know that gut health is linked to autoimmunity. And so the whole piece, the whole puzzle does need to be looked at. And that's hard, right? A lot of people just do want the quick fix. And I think IVF or certain practitioners, unlike us, offer these quick fixes. But unfortunately, I don't think they set the stage for major success. I always think like similar to what you said, it is. It's like the average woman has to go through three or four rounds of IVF for her success and I think the work that we do is like, I'll get you a much more efficient IVF cycle. You'll have some to bank. I mean, obviously no one can guarantee anything, but like, that's what we get to see. We get to see that. Yep. The results show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I was going to say about the trauma piece too, with the stress and how this journey can impact your relationship, your social life, you know, you may be staying a job longer than you needed to. All these things can lead up to, and I think people, it might be a little bit easier to perhaps take a supplement Maybe even changing the diet, throwing out, you know, the personal care, that kind of stuff. Maybe not easy, but simple, simple, but not easy. But digging into the trauma and the stress and all that piece is kind of like, ooh, really? I got to go there? I have to look at, but it's that bi-directional piece where the mind affects the body and the body affects the mind. And so we can start by doing these foundational pieces. We really also have to include the stressors, the mental, emotional, the chronic stress, the burnout, the overwhelm, all of that piece is got to be identified and so you can work through it. Yeah. And really getting the body out of that chronic fight or flight. And it's not about perfection, right? We're not saying you have to completely like solve and heal from all the trauma of the world. Like that's not necessary. And I even think that with diet and lifestyle, it's like, I don't think perfection is leading to pregnancy. I think sometimes actually it's backfiring because it's so much control. But it's more about like, can I be in this state of receiving and relaxing reproduction more than I'm in this state of like functioning on autopilot and just checking the boxes? It's very like also like talking energetic. It's a very masculine state, you know, and it's not 
we want to get women more into this feminine where they're feeling and they're seeing and they're witnessing. And, you know, I think almost able to put words to it all and piece it together and make sense of it. And I think also a huge piece is, is acceptance, you know, and, and you see so much of that too, from an inflammatory perspective. And I talk about that a lot in my book, Body Belief, which is dedicated mainly to autoimmune diseases is like, there's this self-attacking self piece, you know, and it's, creates and you see it and there's neuropsychological you know research there neurobiological research there that the thoughts we think do impact our physiology yeah and it's all just so linked you know and i think really when we see like the gut brain access and that linkage it just becomes very clear that it is it's you have to address it from a foundational perspective and i just think i know you would agree it's like a big part of our job is not just helping women get pregnant, it's helping them be the mother that this world needs and that these children need, you know? And so I do think that that's like the space where we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our children and future generations to to unpack all this and really look at it. So we can be different than the generation that came before us. Yeah, it's interesting too. We see some themes of mother wounds or people having strange relationships with their mother. I have a great relationship with my mother, so that wasn't the case for me, but many people were just horrible relationships, like narcissistic parent, mother, and abuse. And so I'm like, wow, what an interesting theme as we then try to conceive our child and perhaps are struggling. And so it's like, uh, you know, that piece can be a little bit hard to look at because that is, you know, some deep rooted stuff. Yeah. And it's not just like, you know, I feel like trauma bonds and ancestral trauma was just definitely conversation in like, the energetic world for a long time. And now it's like in the psychological world, it is real and it is talked about. And we're seeing even in the research and the data that the baby we're growing in here, like we're impacting that child and the next child, right? Our grandchild. And so the generational stuff is real. And to think back and, you know, I think it's just whether or not it's the leading cause of fertility challenges, right? I think it's a piece though, and more that maybe it's the piece of it is, is that you weren't properly cared for or loved and nourished. So you didn't learn how to do it yourself. And I think, right, if I had to boil down what I think I do for a living, it's a teaching women how to care for themselves. Yeah. A hashtag self-care. And yeah. Listen to their first. bodies. Yeah. yeah. It's not and self- listen to their gut. You know, it's like even thinking about the repeat pregnancy loss, It's just, if you really pin them down, they all say the same thing. They're like, something's not right. This isn't my egg quality. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay. And I'm so sorry you haven't been heard before until now, but let's get you to the right people who are actually going to hear you and give you the care that you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's empowering. So let's talk about blood clotting disorder. What are you seeing there with repeat miscarriage? Yeah, it's pretty common. I mean, you'll see, you know, I mean, MTHFR technically falls into a clotting factor disorder and 58% of the population have at least one copy. So there's that. And if you guys don't know what MTHFR is, you know, it's basically a genetic mutation that doesn't allow our body to properly synthesize folic acid into methylfolate, but it does so much more than that. It helps our body methylate and detox and so most everybody has that mutation. I have that mutation and, you know, yeah, you have that mutation and, you know, every patient I think I see has it, or I treat everyone as if they have it, but then there's deeper ones. And I think bigger ones, right. The most common ones that will be tested for is like factor five or antiphospholipid syndrome, the lupus anticoagulant. I know I'm missing some, but I think there's upwards of 18 different clotting factors that should be tested for in this carriage panel. 
And those again, too, you know, I liked how you said it before of like, for us, it's pretty simple to kind of identify and see what needs to be done. You know, from a Chinese medicine perspective, we just always say it's a crappy quality blood. Like we just need to invigorate the blood and move it more because basically what's happening is when you get pregnant, if you have a clotting factor disorder, the embryo implants, the body starts forming these little blood clots around the embryo and basically starves it. And so then it miscarries. It's devastating. I'm very clinical when I say that. It's like a horrible thing that happens. But if you improve the quality of the blood and or maybe add in a blood thinner, typically, and I also think like, you know, our work super focused on improving like microcirculation to the uterus and the ovaries, doing your acupuncture, doing your castor oil packs, doing, you know, I love abdominal gua sha and avrigo, mine abdominal massage, stuff like that to really help improve circulation and blood flow. But it's one of the first things that I'll look into with women. And not every woman with repeat pregnancy loss actually has clotting factor disorders, but I would say probably upwards of like 60 to 70% of them do. And so we've talked throughout our conversation today about the importance of gut health. We see this all the time with gut infections and you can do that perfect diet, but if you haven't addressed the infection, it's just doesn't, it's not going to serve you. So what are you seeing there around gut infections and the health of the microbiome for repeat miscarriage? Yeah. I mean, I still think I try, I've been studying functional medicine and I have a team member where we're digging into the GI map and things like that in our clinical setting, but I still try to get very Chinese medicine. I always say like, put my Chinese medicine detective hat on there. And the way we see it from a gut health perspective is like, if you are not absorbing and breaking down your nutrition and also absorbing your world properly, like we actually consider nutrition, both like our world and our relationships and the food we eat and what we drink, you won't build good quality blood, which will not allow you to build nice juicy follicles with a nice healthy egg in there. And also that juicy fertile uterine lining. And so it's just going to constantly be the barrier to entry. So you really have to go and dig deeper into digestive health. And then what do I see clinically? Sure. I see a lot of girls with, I had a call today, eight women, right? One had Crohn's, one had Hashi's, one had SIBO, one had E. coli infection, that's like 50% of the girls right there dealing with fertility challenges. When we dug deeper, that's what we found. And so, yeah, you have to properly treat the infection, which I think you can do through the right supplements and diet and elimination diet and the right approach. Some people will need certain Western medications to treat that and proper diagnosis for certain, but it is like one of the girls, you know, she has SIBO and, you know, I put her on the elimination diet and we made some tweaks and she can't believe how much better she's feeling. And I said, I was like, to me, that's the step in the right direction is like your SIBO symptoms have to go away. We've got to heal the SIBO before we can get pregnant. And some of that is, yeah, again, going back to that foundation, the body just has to prioritize one over the other. And then I do worry, like say she does get pregnant. I worry that there's enough nourishment and nutrition to feed that growing baby. But yeah, I think when we dig deeper, and even obviously when you dig deeper into the root causes of autoimmunity, you know, you'll see these chronic bugs and gut infections and mold and environmental toxins. I mean, it's very obvious in the literature that autoimmunity is not just like popping up out of nowhere. It's an assault on the body that created the body to dysfunction. And a lot of times there are these gut issues. 
Yeah, either from the antibiotic use, the chronic stress, the hormonal birth control, all these things can then all the pre- things. predispose you. And then, yeah, we see it all the time. C. diff, giardia, streptococcus, all sorts of yeah parasites, bacterial infections, fungal mold, all of that. And you're like, why would I even look there when I'm trying to conceive? And that's like one of the first places that we look and we use the GI map as well too. But then also, yeah, the stress piece too. Of what well, is- you'll never heal the gut if you don't heal the stress piece, right? Oh. It's amazing. You can go after that yes. E. coli and that C. diff and you do all the things. Blow it up, yeah. Guess what? Or like the chronic H. pylori infections. Like I was just doing, yeah. you know, I'm doing a course right now and uh, with Carrie Jones and she was talking about that. She was like, chronic H. pylori, if you don't trace the stress component, you're never, ever going to fix it. Yeah. So for me, and I know for you too, of like, A lot of it is I just come back to the roots of what I was taught and how to look at the body and how to understand the body. And it's like, no, these foundational principles have to be healed. And however you go about that is fine, right? If you want to go and do the GI map and, you know, poop in a box, which, you know, what does Carrie say? Like, I'm pooping in a box for science or something like that. It's like... You learn a lot about your body though. And then you do, you learn how to properly support it. And that stuff can get you there faster for certain. And also getting pregnant with like, you know, we're seeing it now with endometritis. You know, I feel like it's like the new hot fertility challenge, if you will, being somewhat facetious here, but that is a uterine microbiome issue. And where does that come from? That comes from a gut microbiome issue. You know what I mean? Sometimes it comes from a DNC or procedure, right? That bacteria got left behind. Sure. But the microbiome is off. So overall, that's where we really do have to go and start. And then you can't ignore the gut brain connection. Yeah, everyone listening, we had Dr. Carrie Jones on the podcast a couple of years ago. We did a deep dive into the Dutch. I know she was, used to be with Dutch and now she's with Rupa, but she's like a wealth of knowledge. And yeah, H. pylori, we literally see that like all the time. H. pylori, myself, my husband. Yeah. And literally I see it flaring up for me <laughs> with stress mm-hmm. and it can be difficult, right? It's like HPV, you know, I mean, or shingles, right? It's your body saying, I'm out of whack and this is my sore spot, you know, eczema for me, right? It's just, Hmm. but it's all linked. And it does like to really heal gut health. It's a long process. So doing testing like this gets us there faster, right? Yeah. And sometimes it can be the antiparasitics or the antibiotics. Other times Mm -hmm. it's low and slow with the herbal. So each person's different. Anything for repeat miscarriage, kind of your go-to Diet. I think you're big on the AIP. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anything you want to share? I mean, I think the research leads us to autoimmune paleo being the most effective. And I think because that's a strict elimination diet that's going after healing the gut and reducing inflammation. Yeah. And it's learning your body's triggers. And, you know, and I think it's so much more than just gluten, dairy, soy, you know, how people kind of, not that I think those can be major assaults on the body, but I also think some people can do fine with them in good quality and in moderation and, you know, all the things, but, you know, I see a lot of women when I'm working with them, like they're so surprised that their triggers are nightshades or beans, nuts, you know, or too many nuts. Right. And so, oh my God, but these foods are so healthy for me or egg whites, you know, where you really see these common triggers. And I tell women that, you know, I'm having such a hard time with the diet and I'm like, okay, but you still have this a very creepy, nagging symptom. And I really think, you know, however we're meant to do it, you know, I have a book called The Egg Quality Diet, which is basically an elimination diet and 100 days of everything outlined in there. And I created that to make it easy, but not everybody can follow it in that capacity. But it is really figuring out the foods that are triggering you. And there's a lot of foods that trigger us. 
And, you know, the lectins really seem to be at the root of that too, which are you know just super hard to digest, like nuts, seeds, beans, you know, but then you see women, oh, I did the bean diet and I got pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, I, but the bean diet is also gluten, dairy, soy free. And I think corn free. So who knows, maybe you just didn't have a reaction to beans. Yeah. But autoimmune paleo is where I went. And Sarah Ballantyne's book, The Paleo Approach was like a huge eye opener for me. And, you know, just seeing so many cases of endo and recurrent pregnancy loss. And then, you know, I also, though, will say, you know, I have girls that are nailing the diet and they're working on the emotional stuff and that they still will need immunological support from the right reproductive immunologists. Yeah, we like the elimination diet and then it can be the AIP diet as well. I've interviewed Dr. Sarah Ballantyne on the podcast two or three years ago and she was like, just rip the bandaid off, just go right to AIP, right? And so depending on where you are, right? If you got someone doing the standard Western diet where you're like, let's do this, it is a personal choice, you know? And even if the person does say, let's go, I'll do it all. And then they tend to get overwhelmed. So it is, you know, I do believe in a personalized approach to this, but you have got to look at the food sensitivities. Like it's not about pounding down eggs because it's great with the choline. Yes. You can be intolerant to the whites. It's not about, you know, I did this where I'm like, Ooh, almond milk. Ooh, I'm going to cook everything with almonds. The next thing you know, now almonds make me vomit. So yeah, the body was not meant to process pounds of almonds every day. So in the capacity, like, right. So it's, you need to look at the foods and, and I don't think the food testing is giving us all the answers. You know, that's a snapshot in time. It's like the elimination diet really is the answer and it's not easy. And I agree, you got to meet people where they're at. And so, yeah, you know, going back to that group call today, it was like half of them are full on following the egg quality diet as laid out because it's easy for them and they love it. And then the other half are like, I'm just starting with the basics. And then one week, you know, out of the month, I'm going to pull out nightshades. And then the next week I'm going to pull out nuts and then I'm going to reintroduce and see. And I think however you do it is great. I think you should have the right support, but there's a lot of good resources out there too for women to go and their partners, if you're in a partnership to do that, because it's really illuminating what you'll learn about your body and the triggers. And it is, I don't know, I think then going back to like almost the basic Chinese medicine where my brain goes, is like, what I see is they start absorbing and a lot of the other symptoms that they have, as I call their red flag symptoms, start to go away. And then it just tells me like, oh, the body's now getting everything it needs. And for some women, it needs that for two months. Some women, it's nine months, you know, and that just depends of like, oh, my cup is getting very full and now I'm ready, you know, and then. Yeah, because you can be well fed, but malnourished, you're not absorbing. And eating 100%. All this that's a great line. Or organic oh foods. Do I have like, permission oh. to repeat you on that? Well fed, <laughs> but malnourished. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Okay. So let's talk about anything you wanted to recommend or anything you're obsessed with personally, just from a website, a book, your books there, but anything that you are like wanting to share that you're just loving right now. That I'm loving right now. I mean, speaking of Kara Jones, right. I'm doing this connecting the dots hormone course through Rupa health, which I'm like a little obsessed with. I've been using the Dutch for a long time. And also Dr. Kara Fitzgerald's book, younger you has been really insightful and, you know, smart, I also am loving the book. Oh my gosh. What is it called? The trauma book. Oh, Gabar Mete. What's the name of it? The Myth of Normal. No, not that book. Oh my God. The Body Keeps the Score. No. The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like, even for anybody that's a little like, oh, I do have trauma that I need to unpack, but I don't know where to start. And that feels overwhelming. And maybe like, I can't dive into, you know, therapy sessions every week because I know the cost, but like, start there. It's so powerful. And just his anecdotal 
tales of what he saw clinically. And there's a lot of good tools and I think pieces in there to really start to see, wow, okay, this really has done a number on me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Any success story you want to share with us? Any that's coming to mind? I'm sure you have lots. Yeah. Let's think. I mean, I have a girl right now that is about to give birth and, you know, went through the ringer trying to get pregnant. Is overweight and so was denied treatment for a lot of doctors and had had some losses and everybody wanted to blame her weight and her condition. And, you know, when she got to me, you know, honestly, like digging deep into her case, like, you know, she technically obese for certain, you know, but her body was pretty darn healthy, if you will. And we made tweaks and she didn't necessarily lose all the weight that I think everybody wanted her to lose or anticipated her to lose. But we really did reduce inflammation, regulate the cycles, all of these things. And supported her thyroid. You know, she had so much medical trauma, honestly, because she was so shamed by her weight for so long that I was the first person that she came to and then got her to get the right care and got her to see the right doctors. And with thyroid support and dietary changes and yeah, and she's about to have a healthy baby boy right now. And even through her pregnancy though, it was just appalling of like, the jumping to conclusions based on like, oh, you're going to have preeclampsia because of your weight. And it also taught me a very valuable lesson, which is you can be healthy at any weight. And I tend to see, and I think you probably see the same thing clinically, underweight is a lot harder than overweight. But she beat the odds in a way that was like, you know, it wasn't just fertility stuff stacked against her, just the whole medical community was kind of stacked against her. And yeah, and she stayed the course. And I mean, it wasn't super easy, but she was able to really reframe it and make it about overall health and vitality and then getting the proper support and care. So that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. That body shaming piece where you're not suitable for IVF or well, you've got to go lose weight. Well, if anyone, you know, is trying to lose weight, easier said than done. So yeah, having that. I yeah, think- that was it. She couldn't get care if she wanted it. She couldn't yeah. get IVF if she wanted it. Mm-hmm. Refused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Okay. And so you have got a free download here for the listeners. They can go to amyrop.com forward slash miscarriage. We'll have a link in the show notes. What can they expect there? Yeah, you're going to get my recommended miscarriage panel and additional testing for inflammatory markers, which I think is really useful. Just a PDF you can download, print out, bring to your doctor. And as I always say, don't take no for an answer or find someone who will draw the blood on you. And here's a little tidbit that I've learned from a physician client of mine years ago, that if you can't get someone to run this panel on you and you have had repeat losses you can mention to one of your doctors that you would like a referral to a hematologist because of your history of losses and because whether or not this is necessarily, I feel like me saying this on the podcast, whether or not it's necessarily true, but or look in your history and say that there's a history of stroke or clotting disorders in my family and I would like to see a hematologist. And just saying that alone will actually get you the referral that you need to a hematologist. And hematologists will do the blood work on you. So you don't necessarily have to see an RE or a reproductive immunologist but just getting someone to listen and actually draw the bloods. I know doctors get offended when we're saying, you know, your Google search or your doctor Google is not similar to my degree, but as a client or a patient, like we're empowered. We have a wealth of knowledge around us. And this is not the 1920s when no one had information. You know, we're in the driver's seat and we don't need to have someone in a white coat dictate, you know, what's going to be right with our health. And we've got to push forward and have someone on your side to make sure you don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Advocate for yourself. And I really think it's true. Like don't take no for an answer. And remember your body, your time, your resources. So if this doctor says no to you, you say, oh, that's okay. And then I'll just find somebody else. Thank you very much. And 
that's it. You don't decide that you don't need those tests because this person said that to you. You have every right to dig deeper and you have every right to find the answers that you need. Awesome. I was going to ask for your final thoughts, but that might be it. Anything else you want to say or <laughs> that's it? Just keep searching. I just think really stay aligned like with the knowing that if you have a desire for a child to come through, there is a child that wants to come through and it's just connecting the dots and you just keep searching until you find all those yeah. dots. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much, Sarah. Okay, take care. I would like to invite you and your partner to a supercharge your fertility discovery call. This call is for you if you meet at least one of the following criteria. You've been trying to get pregnant for at least two years. You've been through at least one failed IUI or IVF. This call is for action takers. If you're not ready and you wait, the risk is you'll need to wait two to three months for a spot to open up. If you're seriously considering work with us, go to fabfertile.com. That's fabfertile.com and click on apply here. That's fabfertile, fabfertile.com and click on apply here. Then you'll be booked in and ready to spend 30 minutes to give you the action plan to getting pregnant naturally. The Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, including show notes and links, provides information with respect to healthy living, nutrition, lab testing, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. <laughs>